Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining us. Our special guest today is Dave Wakeman, all the way from US. Thanks for, so much for joining us, Dave. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Dave? Great, great. Thanks. Excellent, excellent. So um, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Dave. So Dave Wakeman uh, is also known as the Revenue Architect. He's an internationally recognized expert in the areas of branding, strategy, and marketing. He has worked with international leaders like American Express, Madison Square Garden, and Marriott to improve their business offerings and return on investment. Dave founded the Wakeman Consulting Group, a boutique management consulting firm that focuses on helping companies achieve better results in their investments of time and money. And before we, we talk, Dave, about what you do with Wakeman Consulting Group in helping businesses, which I, I know you can share a lot of great info, insights that will help everyone with their business. Before we do that, I, I personally like to know about Dave Wakeman, the person. So who is Dave Wakeman? So where, where did you grow up? What was life like for you as a kid? What made you who you are today? Okay, so I grew up in northern Georgia, which you're in Australia, so you might not even on a map. That's going to be, I live in D.C. now. It's uh, about 600 miles south, and people have a very thick accent. They, talk, they say y'all a lot. Um, and I grew up um, very, very um, humbly, I guess would be the best way to put it, because there would be no idea that I would have any idea what marketing was or how to be an effective marketer. Um, but you know, it was it was great. Uh, my my aunt, and my grandmother, um, you know, they they raised me. Um, you know, when I was a young kid, uh, they had a lot of influence on me. Um, you know, they taught me about a lot about hard work. They taught me a lot about and um, really education's been key. And that's kind of transferred over to my professional career, where I spend a great deal of time focusing on learning and then teaching. Um, you know that's like probably the biggest, like the biggest influence has been that like kind of constant need to educate and learn. Um, you know, now I live in DC, as we talked about before, I've got a, um, a fantastic partner, uh, Catherine and my son Cormac, uh, who's six, almost seven. Um, you know, and they, and they help me, me, um, keep like on an even keel and, and they're like, uh, you know, they're definitely the better parts of me. So. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so how did you get into marketing? So you mentioned when you're growing up, you never, you didn't grow up thinking, hey, one day I want to be a great marketer. You know, normally when you ask kids, <laughs> what are you going to be when you grow up? They don't, they don't normally say they're going to go into marketing. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I woke up, I busted out of the marketing egg. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it was a, like a lot of things that have happened for me. It was a lot of luck involved. And probably my first like real marketing job that didn't come until I was even in my, uh, in my thirties. Um, but i kind of fell into it. Like every, I realized that everything I did, um, from the time I was, uh, 14 years or maybe, maybe even younger, 13 years old and selling uh, Coca-Cola's at, um, high school football games was about selling and marketing and driving revenue. Um, over time, 
I learned, um, I like to tell everybody that I learned everything I know about marketing by the time I was 25 years old. Um, I was pretty fortunate that my first job out of college, um, the kind of realish job, I guess you would call it, was in nightclubs. And that alone wasn't very important. But what was important was the fact that the people that I learned from when I started out um, were excellent marketers. And they did some of the um, most incredible um, promotions and advertising campaigns and marketing campaigns uh, in nightclub history. And, um, you know, you, it's one of those jobs that if you weren't paying attention, it could just be like something that got you from one job to the next. Um, and I was fortunate enough that I was, um, I don't want to say smart because at 22, 23 years old, I was not at all smart. I was an idiot. Um, but I was at least, um, cognizant enough to pick up a lot of really good lessons. And I learned a lot of things about incremental pricing, um, about brands, about marketing, about advertising, about promotions, about, uh, you know, value, all these things I learned. So, so even though it wasn't technically a marketing job, that was really where um, the genesis of my marketing career started. Mm. Yeah, great. great. And so what happened, there, what happened after the nightclub job? So, all right. So that was good. I moved to Seattle, Washington. Uh, so it rains a lot. And, um, and I actually helped open the Experience Music Project, which is now, I think it's called Mopop. Um, it was a museum founded by Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen to celebrate the spirit of creativity in American culture as exemplified by rock music. So that's a lot less wordy. Um, and what, again, what happened there was I ended up having a great um, capability to work with uh, VIPs and um, large dollar donors. And it was something that a lot of people couldn't do. So that, and, and that opened the door for me to create um, campaigns and ideas and marketing strategies to reach both people who were potential donors, but also the business community in Seattle and generate revenue through those things. So, uh, and there was also, I guess there's a theme there. It's like a lot of my marketing jobs weren't necessarily marketing jobs. They were uh, tied to something else. Mm, right. Right. And so from there you started Wakefield consulting group. Is Actually, no, I had my, the, the, from there I had my, probably my one of maybe two greatest successes, um, before I started my business came next. I moved to New York City. And um, I don't know if any of your audience has an American Express black card. But if you have an American Express black card, there's a concierge number you can call. And if you call that concierge number, you can buy a ticket anywhere in the world. And you can do that because of me and a partner on the other side, uh, on the American Express side. Um, we created this um, a program that really helped open up tickets to black card members anywhere in the world. And it be, probably became, ended up becoming a billion dollar business for American Express. It really enhanced their brand loyalty, um, their connection to their card members, and it really drove um, you know, tremendous value for them. The second one, which probably very close to you, or probably maybe a sore point, was I was uh, very helpful in bringing um, Yellowtail to America <laughs> um, in, a, in a huge way. So um, at the time, Yellowtail, came uh was in america and they weren't doing um very well so i partnered with a advertising agency and we um came up with plans to uh introduce yellowtail to a new market entirely new market which was um, football watching men so tailgaters and so we took yellowtail and this road show to i think about 35 or 40 different 
football cities and stadiums uh, to introduce the product to tailgaters. And from there, the growth chart on Yellowtail was like this. And so it was like extremely successful. And those were like two really, really great successes. And then from there, <laughs> I went and started my business. Yeah, yeah, great. Great. And sorry, I might be the only person listening right now that not sure what you mean when you say Yellowtail. Sorry. I'm... Oh, Yellowtail is an Australian wine that is popular in America. Okay. But, uh, my Australian friends who know wine, they always mock me because it's not necessarily the highest quality. Right. <laughs> but, but it's very drinkable, very popular, but it's not like, uh, it's not that what the, people go, oh, this is what I want you to know about Australian wine. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, look, my ignorance is not because I'm a wine connoisseur and I only drink the really good stuff. It's not the right. reason why. I, I don't drink personally, but that's, that's great. Thank you. For, thanks for clarifying yeah. that. Because yeah. I think I used to eat some fish called yellowtail or something. And I was oh, thinking, is that what you're talking about? Fish, <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, I thought it's most probably not fish he's talking about here. No, oh. no, no, no. That's a different story. That's a, that, that I would be proud of. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, look, I'm curious. So just going, just rewinding a little bit. Sure. Yeah, so back to the nightclub days, you learned yeah. some great lessons there about marketing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Can you give me some examples of some of the great, uh, good lessons you learned there that you apply maybe to businesses today? Okay. Uh, the, probably the most popular, the, the one that I return to most is the idea of incremental revenue. And what that mean, would mean to your audience is the fact that um, we always talk about growth and we always talk about, you know, finding new revenue. And we, we talk about a lot of things about generating income. What we found and what we practiced was one year we said our check, our per check average. So every time a person came through the door, they would spend $13 with us. And we were like, well, what can we do to get it to 1325? And the simple answer was, Hey, instead of um, somebody coming to the bar and asking for a vodka soda, if you ask them a simple question, what kind of vodka would you prefer? They would never go, ah, you know, I don't care. Nobody ever wants to be like, ah, I just take the well stuff most of the time, or at least enough people would say, oh, I want, I want absolute, or I would like Stoli, or I want, um, you know, I don't even remember. I don't even remember sky or something like that enough that over the course of a year for basically um, very, very small expense, we generated over $250,000 in positive revenue which really pushed the per check average probably much higher than 1325. So that was a very, um, a very huge lesson because that really has been something I've come back to over and over again. It's that you don't necessarily have to reinvent everything. It's just like, how can you add some greater value to what you're already doing, right? Because it's not a big deal. Um, you know, you don't think it's a big deal. Like, Hey, if you have a, a you, and you, John, you don't drink, but you know, if you said, Oh, I would like a uh, whiskey and Coke. Right. And you asked me what kind of whiskey and I go, well, I would like crown Royal, but that could be the difference between a $4 drink and a $6 drink. And mm. if you do that a few times a night, all of a sudden that really does add up. And the incremental cost for you to do that is maybe a couple pennies. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, so it's really fantastic. And that was probably like, that's been the lesson I've come back to over and over again. Mm. And can, so with that example, and that's a great example, uh, how would a business like, cause you work with different types of businesses. Many yeah. Different types. All over the place. So, so can you give us an example where you've taken that lesson, for example, and use it in a different industry? Sure. That's actually great because I just had lunch with a nonprofit client 
uh, of mine uh, last week. And we were talking about they wanted to do some digital marketing campaigns um, because they were not really, they were present, but they weren't present in a productive way, in a good way on the internet. So we, we reworked the strategy, right? And, and I said, well, you know, what we want the strategy to do is we want to have multiple touch points for people along the way. But ultimately, and we want to use it to drive some sort of revenue or a commitment, either in, a, you know, money or action or sharing or whatever, you know. And we set up four or five different, uh, you know, positive actions that we, want, we would be happy with. And what ended up happening was in less than a quarter, they took this idea of having a systematic um, way of talking to their, their community and they doubled their online revenue from the year before in one quarter of doing this. Um, and it was not like focusing on like some brand new big platform. It was just like saying, well, we already have a small audience that we don't engage with very well. Um, we don't know how, what our call to action looks like. We don't know if it's meaningful or not meaningful. So let's do this. Let's take it. Let's be um, thoughtful about how we engage. And then let's create call to actions that are relevant. It might not be money. It might just be um, some sort of engagement or sharing or um, volunteer, some kind of action. And so just from a financial standpoint, they, rate, they, double, they double their money from the year before in a quarter. But in all those, the, those other kind of fuzzier metrics, the ones that maybe are tough to quantify, they um, – had a 30 times improvement in, in that same in, from the year before in quarter and, and it was really about being thoughtful and consistent and having um, a real clear understanding of what the path looks like which for anybody involved in any kind of revenue thing is really valuable mm, yeah great so so the lessons i'm getting there <coughs> um sorry so yeah the lesson i'm getting there dave is that not necessarily so if you're looking to increase your revenue it doesn't necessarily mean getting more traffic or spending more money on traffic right. or, or adding new products, but it's looking at, okay, what, are, what, are, what current traffic have we got coming in uh, mm -hmm. and what are we doing with that? Are we, right. we doing the right things? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's, yes. that's really yeah. good insights. When you work with, you work with some really big businesses, Dave, you've yeah. got a lot of experience. When you come into a business, what you, what's some key things that you look at, um, especially if they're trying to max, you know, usually people come to you if they max, want to maximize their return on investment. So right. what's, what's, some, what's some things that you look at, like the low-hanging fruit, we might say, the stuff that you think, look, if I look at that, I'm sure I can make improvements. Sure. Um, and... So yeah, I, I like to say that nobody ever calls me when everything's going one hundred percent great either. So that's that's um, that, that's not you. You said it a lot more eloquently. Um, I don't necessarily know about low hanging fruit because every organization is going to be a little bit different, and every situation is going to be um, widely different. And you know, you know, everybody's facing different challenges, right? I don't have a cookie cutter approach that I use. I um, what I do do is look for patterns. You know. Um, I look for what's working. Um, I always use what the people tell me is not working as kind of a guide to ask a, a really simple question of why. You know, why is this thing painful for you? Why is this causing trouble? Why is this a challenge for you? Because usually behind that is the real reason. You know, um, probably with a lot of people, the first thing that comes to mind is I need more sales. And you go, well, and so we need, and then they'll come up with like, I need sales training or I need a sales letter or I need this or that or whatever the thing might be. And you'll be like, well, why do I need that? And it comes back to, well, 
our sales aren't where they are. And you'll be like, well, why aren't your sales where they are? Well, we aren't really, um, we have a lot of traffic and it's not converting, right? That would be like the, like the nonprofit that I worked with, right? Or we are getting lots of people in here, but they're not spending nearly enough money. Okay, so then that's a different challenge, right? Like that's how do you increase the value? Maybe if you're not getting the traffic you need, then that's a marketing challenge, not a sales challenge. So you, you want to look for the patterns and see what's working, what's not working, um, and kind of understanding what's that real point of pain that's caused the people to want to talk to you, want to engage with you. Because as, if things are going great, it's a lot of times um, you know, they're not calling you. <laughs> they're not calling you. You know, it's usually when there's something that's like has become frustrating for them or um, they've really faced something that's painful. Mm. And so uh, would you, so you, you look at all things, do you, is that right, Dave? So you, do you look at traffic, you look at the sales process, you look at maybe the organization itself, like the management, yeah. uh, the structure, the culture maybe. Yes. Um, okay, let's talk about traffic what's some of the key, what's some of the biggest mistakes you see when it comes to marketing or getting traffic? Um, I think that's a great question because it probably is going to depend on the, on what you're trying to achieve. Right. Uh, one of the challenges probably, probably one of the bigger ones is that are you trying to get traffic for traffic's sake or is there a specific audience you're trying to reach? Because if you're just trying to drive traffic to your website, then maybe that's the problem because then you're not really speaking to anybody, right? You can't be everything to everyone, you know? So maybe you have more than enough traffic of your target audience and you just have become obsessed with traffic because, Oh my God, somebody, uh, some, some blowhard on the internet is getting a million page views a day, 5 million page views a day, right? What if you don't need that? What if you get 10,000 and those people spend, with you an average of a dollar a week, right? So $40,000 a month in revenue. Um, why do you need more traffic? I mean, you know, is, is it because you think you can help more people? Is it because you, you know, why, why is that, right? So that's the first thing is like not understanding um, what, you know, why you need traffic or why you need, um, why you need anything, right? It's, you know, it's, it's gotta always start with you and what you're trying to provide for the audience that you have or the, the people you're trying to reach. You know, and that's, that's probably the biggest issue is not understanding your value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, um, so with the sales process, mm -hmm. what are some, uh, are there any common or main mistakes you find businesses will make it once they have that traffic, once they get in front of people, their, their funnel, what's some of the key mistakes businesses make there with their funnel. Okay. Um, Again, very, it's going to vary by, from business to business. Yeah. Um, but I think probably one of the biggest issues that, that I see most often, and it's sometimes something even I struggle with a little bit, is not understanding the steps in the process, right? You know, it's, um, I like to call, talk about having the next, next logical step in your sales project. So, you know, process. So if you have a meeting, right? Like initial discovery of meeting, you know, your minimum thing is like, I just want to be able to uncover some challenges, see if there's like any linking up there um, and set up a next conversation. Um, on the maximum side, I might want to get a, a, um, a project, a, a proposal out of this thing, right? Um, that's, and that's probably a, a bit of a reach, right? Um, but, and understanding that helps me manage that process more. 
but some businesses, they just don't have any idea, any concept of what their sales cycle, their sales process looks like. And that's maybe the biggest challenge. It's like, is it something that's going to take you three or four steps to close? Is it a one touch close? Like you should be able to just bang, bang it out. Right. Or is it something that's like needs to gestate for a long period of time and then understanding what like realistic markers are along the way. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And w with it, within an organization itself, um, have you noticed when you're working with businesses, the, the suggestions you make, how, what type of an impact can it have? Can you give us, can you give us maybe an example? You don't have to mention any names specifically, can you, but can you give us any case studies where you've gone into an organization and you've some changes you've been able to make and the impact that it's had on the organization as far as leadership and management and the way the staff interact and so forth. Yeah. I, um, again, you know, this is just easy just because I had lunch with them last week and they were talking about how much of an impact that this project we worked on together, but it's a nonprofit, a national nonprofit headquartered here in DC. And we've been working together for about a year. And one of the big challenges was, was really, it was a cultural thing. And it's, that's all, always tough to, to have a conversation about because people do a very bad job of recognizing uh, the issues like in, their, in themselves a lot of times, right? Like we were very good about, about pointing at, at what I do, uh, like, unless you're me. And I'm like always like, I see every mistake I make. <laughs> I'm like to, I'm brutal in that way. Um, but having that conversation about like, why are you taking these actions, right? Um, you know, is your brand as strong as it should be? And is the strength of your brand um, not where it needs to be because you are emphasizing a lot of things that aren't as having as big an impact, right? Like maybe you can create a better outcomes for your organization by focusing on some branding and marketing, um, you know, by the leadership setting priorities for the way they use their time, uh, the things they focus on. And, and, and it took, uh, if we've been working together for, for about a year, it took six months or more to really make positive headway. And it was, um, but once it, once it clicked in, it, the, um, the change was almost instant because, you know, people had been looking for and yearning for that, that sort of change and um, a, a different approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, I really appreciate the time you share with us and all the insights you share with us have been very valuable. Is there any final thoughts you had for those listening today? We've got a lot of people here, including myself, business owners. Yeah. Any, any, yeah, anything you haven't covered today you feel is really important message that you'd like to share? Yeah, and this, this is actually, I'm glad you asked this question because this is like um, when we started back about like low-hanging fruit. I, I say that like the key thing that I do with my clients is I subtract. Right. I help people understand if they're doing too much or if they're trying to do too much and like and what those core few things are that they can do that only they can do or that they do better than anybody else. And helping them remove those roadblocks of trying to do everything because people tell you you, you have to. Right. And just understanding what your core competency is and, you know, the two or three, four things that you only you can do that can create, that really create value. So for your audience, I would tell, tell you and everybody that, that, that sees this is like, take a step back 
and look at those things to see if maybe you're trying to do too many things. And if you can figure out what are the two or three or four things that really have the, the most positive impact on your business and really kind of focus on those because it's very easy to get um, to be busy and not be productive. And if you're doing, trying to do everything, then you become busy, but not productive. And that's, you know, that's something I work with in my own business. That's something I try to work with on all my clients. And, you know, and, it, and if even one person takes that lesson, it, it'll be awesome because it, it does make a tremendous difference in your business. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Thank you so very much, Dave. Again, we've been speaking with uh, Dave Wakeman today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and the insights you've given us. Now, for anyone that wants to learn more about Dave or work with Dave, the best website is, is DaveWakeman.com. Is that correct, Dave? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. All right. And I'll it's spell that for Sorry. <laughs> Makes it pretty easy. Yeah, that's right. Well, easier, a lot easier than my website because it's my name, JohnLegadakis.com. It's, it's a lot harder than... <laughs> Than Dave Wake, but I'll, I'll spell it for everyone. It's D A V E W A K E M A N dot com. All right. Again, thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate you sharing your time with us today and your insights. Thank you for having me. I, I hopefully, hopefully, people learn something from this. So. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure everyone else has. And I want to thank everyone as well for being here and listening today. Hey, John Legadakis here. If you got something out of today's podcast episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week I'm doing more of these valuable interviews. Also, share it with your friends. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so anytime through my website, johnlegadakis.com. There's also a lot of great free resources there to help you to get more traffic and leads for your business. This is John Legadakis signing off. I'll see you all next time.